to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning, church. It's really my privilege and joy to be able to stand, you know, and to just be able to speak to you guys. I just want to say that I'm just, I'm going to come, I'm just going to be speaking. Uh, interestingly, I just kind of want to just present the Word of God to you. And um, I, I can't give you a three-point sermon, I'm so sorry. I, I'm not like Andre or Daniel, but I'm here to really to engage your spirit, man. I think there's one thing that God has given me as a gift that it allows me to just be able to engage the spiritual man that's inside of you. You see, you have to understand that we are not just a, a body, body or mind, or just like not just people that's filled with knowledge, but we are really a, a totality of our being is body, soul, and spirit. The fact that we can be here present in the morning in church on Sunday, we can be awake. And why and be present in church on Sunday, but there are times where our spirit might be dull and sleepy. And one of the ways in order for God to be able to, to just to do whatever He wants to do in your life is when your spirit is being awakened, your soul is being inclined towards the Lord, and He actually able to let His Word penetrate and pierce through your, your inner being to cause something from within to just explode. And cause you to walk into the prophetic and the pre- uh, preordained destiny that God has given to you in this life. And I want you to know that when we come to church, we're not just coming to just do a set of routine. We are here to allow God to just constantly tenderize our hearts, awaken our spirit, to know what the Father is doing in heaven, that we will walk on the earth in alignment and in agreement with Him so that we can see heaven literally be an, in, in, to be established here on earth because we, rep- we are a representative of the earth. Do you know that? Jesus is right there, and real man is right up there representing heaven, talking to the Father, wanting to establish His kingdom on the earth. But the only way for the, the kingdom of God to be established is when His body of Christ, His very body is bring in alignment with Him on the earth so that He can fulfill His will and His desire in the nations. He's looking for the body to be aligned. You see, I have got, the Lord spoke to me one, I mean, one day because of my leg. And it says, Jason, until your body is in alignment, you can never walk into your prophetic destiny. Until the body of Christ decided to just come into an alignment with the head of the church, and whilst in his heart, we will never be able to walk into the core and the inheritance that God has prepared for us. Today, I'm actually going to speak to you guys about contending for our inheritance in the midst of chaos. Okay. It's going to be an intense subject. But I pray that this will awaken something inside of you to cause your spirit man to be awakened and so that in the, and as we enter into a time where I believe chaos is going to be surrounding the earth, but we will not be a survivor who will survive through chaos, but will be one that will overcome and triumph in the midst of darkness and chaos. Contending the promises and the inheritance that God has given to us through His Word and through what He has purchased for us on that cross. 
It is important to know times and season. I'm a time and season guy. I love to know and peek into heaven. I just like to enjoy, I enjoy praying and just get in tune and say, God, what are you doing in this hour? I love to do that. Why? Because I want to be a part of the story that he's writing. I want to join with God and to partner with him to see what he's doing. And I want to say, God, will you let me be a part of what you're doing? Not just to be involved in my little life of my just kind of like, uh, just do my little stuff and just do my little Christian thing and then just be happy and go through life, cruising through and just hoping that everything will be fine. Do you know what, guys? I realize there's one thing. God is constantly inviting all of us here to be a part of a great story that he's writing on the earth. If you read through the Bible, God is actually writing this story for humanity, humanity, and He's looking for men and women who will say, God, if this is your desire and your will, let me be a part of it. I want to be a part of what you are doing. And they basically offered their lives to God. They present themselves as a sacrifice. God take them, take them and begin to consume them and use them for His own purpose and glory so that His great name will be made known through the story that He writes on the earth. You know, at the end of the age, Jesus is going to be the very one be, being exalted by, um, among the nations, every tribe, every tongue, every people and every nation is going to be worshipping that lamb at the end of the age. He's going to be the center, for, he's going to be the main leading character of the story that he's writing. The Father has given him a name which is above every other name. And you know what our role is? I know this may be a little bit uh, sucky. Our role is to make him look good. But by making him look good and great, we at, at the end of the age join him in a glory. And you know what? Jesus is not just an egoistic person that he says, it's all about me, me, me. The fact that he actually invites you to be a part of his story is because he wants to share his glory with you. I want you to turn your Bible with Psalms chapter 2. I want to read from a passage of Scripture from the Passion Version. If you ever read the Passion Bible, it's an amazing version. I love it. I want you to know we are living in a time and age. It is promised by God Himself that as we go nearer to the end of the age, it's going to be more and more chaotic in, on the earth. And you know what? We are, not supposed to just, we are not supposed to just merely survive in the midst of chaos. We are supposed to triumph and to be able to contend for the inheritance of Jesus visibly manifested on the earth as a church, as a body of Christ. Prior to His return, God's glory will be manifested in the midst of darkness through the church. And you and I have a part to play to do that, to manifest to make His name known to, in the midst of all the darkness and all the chaos, that we will be the very light that will shine and God is going to come back for us and to bring us to the next age where we will no longer have to see darkness, we will no longer have to see sin. God is going to put an end to death. God is going to put an end to sin, evil, wickedness on the earth. You know what? I like what Pipo say. He, this is the one of this quote. Is this was that he said this: the high noon of God's glory 
will be the second coming of Christ that is where the sun will stay forever. I say that again, the high noon of God's glory will be the second coming of Christ and that is where the sun will stay forever. What he simply means is, when Jesus comes back, the sun is going to be coming, rise, rising up to the sky and it's not going to go down anymore. We will never, we will never ever going to see darkness anymore when Christ returns. This is the greatest hope for all of us Christians. We don't have to, no longer, no longer we will have to say, God, I need more of you because we will be completed in that day. No longer we will have to say, God, I return to you because on that day we will be fully embraced and fully become one with Him. No longer will we say, God, we want more of your presence because His presence will be in our midst for all eternity and we'll be staying in that state of glory for the rest of our life. This is a subject matter for tomorrow. I'm not going to talk about the second coming of Christ today, but I'm going to talk about contending our inheritance in the midst of chaos. Let's read from Psalms 2, verse 1, all the way to verse 9. This is why it says in the Passion Version, How dare the nations plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High. Their foolish plot are futile, and look at how the kings rise up to hold their submit, scheming and conferring together against God and His anointed, saying, Let us come together and break away from the Creator, casting off once and for all this controlling chains of God and His Christ. There's going to be people on the earth that will say, let's, let's just remove the Creator and let me ourselves God. Let's just cast off the chains of control and morality because you know what? I'm sick and tired of being controlled by God to live in a state of rules and regulation that's, that's made by God. And there are people, they are called the kings of the earth, that they are going to come together and plot and say, let's plot and remove Jesus and God on the surface of the earth and we can become God ourselves. And then he said, and then after that you see in verse 4, it's, and we see a, a change of sin and God enthroned merely laughs at them. It's like, are you joking? It's like, really guys? You human beings trying to remove me? Really? And God just simply sits on His throne and He laughs at them, amused at all their puny plans, mocking at their madness. Then with the fierceness of his fury anger, he settled the issue and terrifies them to death. With these words, I have poured out my king on Zion, my, my holy mountain. You better listen to the one I have chosen. <laughs> and I will review, in verse 7, I will review the eternal purpose of God for he has decreed, this is the son saying, and, say, and he will decree over me, you are my favorite son, and as your father, I have crowned you as my king eternal. Today, I have given you glory. And you only need to ask me to give you the nations and they shall become your legacy. Your domain shall stretch to the ends of the earth and you will rule over them with unlimited authority, crushing their rebellion like an iron rod smashing jars of clay. You have to understand, if you, were, you don't need a prophet or doomsday preacher to tell you that we are living in a day and age where men or kings or rulers trying to do that right now. We are looking at times where 
people are redefining marriages. People are trying to reinstate laws that is for own selfish fulfillment of our own pleasure. They can do anything they want. Remaking laws for the pleasures of men rather than giving God the pleasures by delighting in His law. Calling things which are evil good and good evil. Telling us to throw our Bibles away because it's no longer relevant because we are living in the 21st century. It's old. This is too old. It's 5,000 years old, guys. Time has changed. Throw this away. Really? God is old-fashioned? You know what, guys? This is what I wrote here. I think it's a great quote because I think I'm quite good in quoting things, coming out with phrases. (laughs) I want you to know the truth is the truth and we stand upon it regardless of what the majority believe or say it should be. The loudest voice may not, be necess- may not necessarily be right. What the majority believe may not necessarily be truth. Because heaven and earth may pass away, but His word endures and remains forever. Everything that God said and uttered and written in His word will forever be remain. It, is no, it will never be old school or too irrelevant for us today until we come to again to uphold this and say, God, this is the finality and the authority of your word. We will live our life according to this. Let me tell you, whatever the majority in the world today is going to say, it's not going to sway us until we make that decision and say, God, I choose to live by this. Because you have to understand people on the earth today are trying to cast their restraint off this. And they are saying that I want to be my own God and make my own rules. You know, this is what they call, it's called lawlessness. Jesus said lawlessness will abound and because of that, the love of many will grow cold. The reason why lawlessness happened, because love is absence. And I believe today God is awakening the church to love again. And loving Him is more than just coming to church every Sunday to just sing a few songs and some song that say, I love you. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandment. If you love me, love your neighbor. If you can't even love your brother or your brothers who you can see, how can you love someone you can't even see? This is what the Bible says. If you're offended with someone and hold bitterness in your heart towards that person and yet you come to church every Sunday, I love you, I love you, but unable to release love, and you have hatred with, towards someone, you can't, it's hard truth. You can't be loving, you can, it's not love towards God. That's what the Bible says. It's hard to swallow, but this is what he says. I will never try to add or remove or try to reinterpret the Bible so that it will suit our hearing. But this is exactly what the Bible says, and it's truth. We have to accept it. But you know what? There are people on the earth who will not accept it. He says, well, you know what? This God is too intense. I'll make my own. I'll create to make him look a little bit more, you know, soft. You know, a bit more lovey-dovey. Everything is nice. Or I can just say, God can just allow all of us to do anything we want. But you know what, guys? Until we just come to this place where it says, God, I don't want to be a part of the company that says, I will rage and strive against you. You see, everything starts small. 
I, I know that none of us here, we are like one of these kings of the earth that reach against Christ, that we want to change our, you know, laws. We say, God, I just want to change your laws. Maybe you can be more lenient. I just want to say, maybe I can just hate my brother but still love you. I don't think all of us here are like that. But you know what? Everything starts with small foxes in our hearts that is undealt with. If we are not awakened to know that, to see the condition of our hearts, we will never be able to mature into the fullness of what God is calling, has called us to be. This is the foundation. This has to be start from there. We have to start aligning our hearts to the Bible and to agree with His Word. We have to. The reason why the nation rage is because they don't want Jesus' leadership. Psalm 2 is known as a messianic psalm, and eschatology, it's a big word, it's end times writing, eschatological writing, end times writing, telling, of, telling us of the response of the kings of the age in the earth and how they respond to the leadership of the anointed one, Messiah Christ. You have to understand there's going to be a literal king coming back, a real man. Jesus is coming back to sit on a literal throne. Do you know that? It is called, it, Jesus has been promised to sit on the throne of his father David, and he's going to be ruling and reigning as a king and a priest on that throne over all the nations. Jesus is coming back in person to lead the world. Wait a moment. Really? This is, anyone, has anyone told us about this? That you are literally going to see Jesus walk back maybe in power suit, in his Mercedes, coming back to sit in his president suite on his throne in Jerusalem and just sit there and writing, signing paper and to become the, the, the president of the world. But this is the reality. This is a messianic promise that the Jewish believers believe there's going to be a real king, human being, walking back into Jerusalem, sitting at the very throne of his father David, and he's going to be ruling not just Jerusalem, but the nations of the earth. Because of his wisdom is perfect, because his leadership is perfect, because his, there's no corruption in his nature, there is no deceit in him, there's no darkness in him, and God, and he's the only one that can lead and rule the earth without darkness and corruption. And he is the only candidate. This is what the Jewish people believe. A, a righteous king will be coming to sit on a throne and the foundation of his throne will be justice and righteousness. Everything that he does in his ruling and his reigning is going to be for complete righteousness and justice. There is not going to be evil or corruption like what we see in the government around the world. As long as you are a human being, imperfect human being, if God gives you, a, if you have unlimited power, you are going to be corrupted. Trust me, if I give you $1,000 billion in your bank, what will you use that for? <laughs> if you use that just for more for yourself, you know, because we all have this selfish desire, we want to gain the world, profit the world. I was telling Constance in the hospital, I was like mumbling and murmuring at, you know, at all the cost of like hospital fee, and all. I say, this hospital, uh, all out to eat you, you know. So expensive. One MRI scan, $1,000. Seriously. And I said, and I had a revelation. And I said this to her, I said, you know, cons, if in this world it's all about profiting and gaining, we as human beings are just mere tools and food for individuals' pleasures to satisfy their own gain. 
If this world is all about profiting and gaining, we human beings are merely tools and food for those people who have more power to eat us to satisfy their own human craving for their own pleasures. But this is not what God has ordained man to be. I say, this hospital, eat me up. <laughs> Thank God for insurance. Thanks, Yun. I know you are here. <laughs> and in verse 4 and 5, you see that in the midst of all the chaos, there's this scene that God says, that the that, that Bible says in Psalm, the psalmist says, that the Lord who sits on that throne laughs. It's like, cute, guys. You guys are trying to remove me. You guys are cute. No, God isn't moved. Okay, imagine this. Or imagine this with me. If you imagine all of the kings and the presidents and the prime minister in the world gathering their resources, their wealth, their firepower, their intelligence to just target you alone, to remove you on the surface of the earth because they, he wants to eradicate you and remove you on the surface because you are a threat. How would you feel? Imagine all of the kings, all the kings of the earth gather their firepower, wealth, intelligence and just to target at you, to want to remove you. How would you feel? Of course I pee my pants. I can't run. There's no way unless I take a rocket go out to the space. I can't run. But you know what? Something about Jesus that I'm so... I'm so confident in. He says, he laughs. Ah. <laughs> this is our God. He said, really guys, you want to remove me? You can take, you, want, you have to understand this. God, there's no power or no authority on the earth is, is ever going to be greater or can overpower God who sits in the heaven. And not just that, even as He comes back on the earth, there is no power, there's no authority, there's nothing in this world that's able to put or to move God in any way. God is forever steady and He's forever established and this is what He says to them. He says, guys, you make me laugh and I want to give you one word back. And the word I'm going to say to you will cause you to pee your pants. And the word says, you know what, guys? I have set my king on my holy hill and he shall be a king forever. God has already ordained to be only one king. There is only one king that will be established and when God says it, it's final. You see, you can have all the powers, guns, wealth, shooting and targeting at one Jesus. But you know what? Jesus is not going to be moved. In fact, all he needs to do, the same God that flings and creates the heavens and the earth with just a spoken word of his mouth, the same way he's going to speak one word to them and they're all going to pee their pants. There's a parallel to this verse, and I believe it's Psalms 29. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Majest, uh, majesty. 
the voice of the Lord breaks the cedar. And in, in the further down the verse, this is what it says, the Lord sat enthroned on the flood. And He sits as a king forever. This is our God. There's no power on the earth that can move Him. If you belong to God, there's no power on the earth that could move you. And I just want to set a context for you guys. It tells you, the world is going to be in chaos, but we are not meant to just merely survive, but to triumph over it. I'm going to bring it to more personal to all of us today. I know that feels a bit too ethereal and too far-fetched. Kings of the earth, the nations raging against God. But I'm just going to talk about something that's closer to us, more personal. Jesus said in his word, this is what he, the psalmist said, when he overheard a conversation in heaven and he heard a decree. And when the Lord says that you are my son in whom I'm, in the, you are my son and today I've begotten you and, he's go, and I'm going to give you the nations, ask, uh, ask of me and I'm going to give you the nations as my inheritance. When God began to give him that decree and, and, and he, he's basically saying, Jesus I'm now giving you whatever that you wanted and if you want the nation, I'm going to give it to you. You know what? What is, my, what is his inheritance? I want you to know you are his inheritance. God wants you. God wants you to be perfectly whole, free, and to be found in him, to experience the fullness of life. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. This is what he came for. He came for you. You are in his inheritance. My marriage is my inheritance. It's an inheritance that God purchased for me. My health is my inheritance. Jesus paid the price so that I can be made whole in my health. You know, I was struggling so much for the past few weeks. After I had a surgery, something triggered in my blood. I had a blood condition when I was 17 years old. And something triggered, they put a, some antibiotics into my bloodstream and instantly I turned yellow. I become like banana. And all of my friends were looking at me and saying, what, what, what happened to you? And I was so sick. And ever since then, I began to go on a downward spiral. And having all these thoughts of me dying early, having all these thoughts where I'm going to say, my life is going to be shortened. I'm going to get cancer because of hereditary lines that I came from. My mom had cancer, but she's now made whole and free. I got my mom's genes, so I said, oh no, I'm going to get cancer. I'm going to die early. Then I start to turn to cons and say, cons, I think we need to treasure a lot of moments together. Life is short. And I begin to come to a place of agreement with whatever lies and the accusation of the enemy. And you know what, guys? There is a spirit that's constantly trying to rage against not just the king, the Christ, but even the Christians. There is an enemy out there, there's a spirit out there, it's called the spirit of this age that tries to rage against you to sow thoughts and lies to just to steal the inheritance that God has actually ordained and has been given to you through that cross in Calvary. And But Jesus was saying, in the midst of all the chaos and darkness, this is what the solution is. And, and, and the psalmist show us, this is the context. In the midst of all the chaos, he laughs, yes, more than just laughing, he said this to his son. Guys, my son, 
I want you to ask of me for the nations. Even as these kings, this, the spirit of this age is trying to rage against you, you know what? In the midst of the chaos, all that you need to do is to simply engage my heart and ask me for your inheritance and I'll make the nations yours. When the nation is raging against Christ, the Father says, I'm going to give you the nations. When the nation is trying to resist against Christ, the Father says, you know what? Don't care. I'm going to make them yours. All you need to do is to simply align yourself to me and agree with me. Like it or not, guys, when you said yes to Jesus and that sinner's prayer, Jesus, I receive you into my heart. People, my Lord, my Savior, I'm a sinner, yes. Thank you for the cross and thank you for taking. When you said that prayer, you know what? It's more than just a prayer that leads you into a good life. You are actually en- being enlisted right into a war zone. And I'm here to say this to you. It's real. We are in a constant battle I know God has won for us on Calvary and our job is to stay in that place by keeping ourselves in Christ, to partner with Him, to contend and to ask God for the inheritance that is rightfully ours that belongs to Jesus. All we need to do is to simply ask and contend. You see, I am believing God for my healing. I told Cons, I said this, I said, Cons, I don't, I don't care anymore. I lived with this for the past 13 years of my life, 17, now I'm 31, about 13 years of my life with this condition. And I said, this is hereditary. But you know what? I said, this is my inheritance. It's my health. Christ paid it for me. And I'm going to bring an end to it by contending and asking God, to give me my inheritance, not to agree with the lies that tell me that you're going to die early, not to agree with the lie that says that you're going to get cancer, but I'm going to say to God, I say, God, I'm going to align with your truth and with your word that you have come to give me life and life more abundantly and you have purchased my sicknesses on that cross. You have have destroyed the work of darkness in my life. You have broken every curse from the generations to generations. I'm going to take your word seriously and I know this is my inheritance and I'm going to ask you for it until I see you give me my health as my inheritance. Your marriage, if you are in a broken marriage today, you know what? It's not hopeless because God has paid the price for you to have a wholesome marriage. God has paid the price for you, for, for you to see your marriages restored, to rekindle love that you first had with your wife and how you give her roses on Valentine's Day. My dad is going to review his vow after 40 over years of marriage, and when he said, I'm going to renew my vow, I said, God, this is you. Broken relationships, it's, you know what? Hatred towards one another, offense to one, this is not our inheritance, it's not our portion. Forgiveness and freedom to love and being able to just Give. It's our inheritance, the freedom to just be vulnerable and exposed to one another. You know, it is our inheritance. It's our inheritance. We are not supposed to be afraid 
to bear our weakness with one another. You know what, guys? This is our inheritance. There's no shame, no guilt. And I pray that whatever that you are be struggling right now and you feel that you're in your world is in chaos, all you need to do is remember this. The Father says, ask of me and I'm going to give you the, your, the nations and as your inheritance. You know, for the past few weeks and months, I've been praying. I say, God, all the promises they give in my personal life, the prophetic word that I receive from you about revival, about awakening, about seeing a nation being fully given to you, hearing about stories of how you invaded the earth, how you actually rest upon the earth and your presence remain and stay. And you promised me that I will be a key to that. This is a word that's pro, that I hold fast to it. People, it's not just one time, two times, but a few times I heard people giving me promises that, Jason, God is going to use you for revival. You're going to be a key to him. I said, God, I don't feel like it. I feel weak, broken. I'm not that talented or gifted. I'm not the greatest communicator or messenger. But you know what, God? I don't feel like it, but I know if this is your promise and this is your word confirmed by a few people, I'm going to contend. I'm going to contend. You know what, guys? If David could build a tent without a veil, if David could build a temple without a veil in his time to experience a reality in the New Testament, I believe with all of my heart that I can see heaven invade the earth and I can have a foretaste of the eternity and heaven right in my doorstep. And I'm contending for it. I'm believing for a time where a day where God will go invade Singapore and He says, Jason, I'm going to make Singapore a place where I can rest my glory, where cancer will no longer cease to exist, when pubs and vices will close down, where prostitution will just empty out, there's no more sexual immorality prevalent in the streets, corruption will be empty out, police station have to close down, judge courtroom has to be closed down as well because there's no more things, there's nothing else to judge because God is in that place, His presence descended upon a nation and all we see is righteousness and justice being established in the nation. You know what? I still believe that God can do it if He can do it in the days of old, in a, in a history of the church. I still want, I believe and I, and I trust that God is going to use the church in this hour to contend for it, especially in Singapore. If Singapore is called to be a light and Antioch to the nations of the earth, you know what, guys? All of us has a part to play. You are born for such a time as this, living in this hour where everything around us may be chaotic, but God says, I have a solution. I'm going to raise Singapore up to be one of the, one of the light, a place where I can rest my glory. And you know what? And all we need to do is simply ask God for our inheritance. The city is my inheritance. You know what dominates me in my prayer life? There's only one prayer that dominates me. God sent an awakening to the church. I want a spiritual awakening in my life, not just my life, but in the body of Christ so that the church will be in alignment with the Son and not just be in alignment with the Son, but be in agreement with His Word 
and his, and, his, and his promises and that we will begin to walk into our prophetic destiny. It's no longer something that we just fight over with. We just have this uh, discord that we just compare and compete trying to be the best. You know what, guys? I believe the day will come where we are going to see a united church bringing the presence of God in Singapore to just this, to see His glory rest in a nation and we will see transformation. I can see and I can imagine people from around the region in a third world nation will bring people to Singapore because when they step into it, healing will take place. Heart will be restored. Spiritual awakening in the hearts of people. Businesses will flourish for the purpose of the kingdom and going to the ends of the earth. You see, we are meant to export. We are meant to export His glory out to the ends of the earth. And until we first be that willing living stone to put our lives into the hand of the one who will build His church, that's when we'll see the gates of hell not prevail. That's when we will see as in the midst of, of the nations raging, the enemy, the devil that's tried to destroy families, destroy marriages, redefining you know, sexuality, trying to infiltrate the mind of the, of the young to just change our mentality about what is good becoming evil, what is evil becoming good. In order for us to resist that and to counter that is when we will be joined with Jesus in heaven, making intercession with Him and say, God, I agree with you that Singapore will be your inheritance and we are here to join arms as the body of Christ to connect with the head, to ask the Father, give us Singapore. I'm going to close with this. In 1978, we all heard, I don't know whether all of us heard this, but we all know that a great man filled the stadium in Singapore, a national stadium. His name is Billy Graham with a crusade. And in the midst of crusade, hundreds of thousands of people getting saved. That was a season of renewal in Singapore. And that's why we see a lot of Christians today. We're about 25 to 30% Christians today. Businessmen being affected, politicians being affected. There was this moment, there's this moment in history in Singapore where God was moving in such a way that people are getting saved on, you know, on a regular basis. Churches are packed out. Stadiums were full. And then he made a statement. I don't think he made it publicly, but in a private, private closet and says, you know what, Singapore, you are called to be an, a hub for the nations. And we are so glad that we have went through 50 years of our jubilee. You know, we celebrated God's faithfulness. We have celebrated God's goodness over our nation. And then we received a lot of good prophetic words for our nation. What's next? We feel good. Yeah, we will make it. There was a time where people say that Singapore will make it, but we did. We have made it 50 years. We have made it. And we have more prophetic words. Yeah, now the highlight, you know, the world is looking at us. Oh, Singapore is a model. Great. <laughs> but you know what? What's next then? Just wait for the next 50 years to come and then do it again? Oh, there was a time where people say that Singapore, we still make it. <laughs> we are still in it. I don't think so. I think God 
has put this little dot on this earth and just so happened that you guys are on this dot. And he's putting this dot on this earth to bring, to bring, to make known his ability to the world that says, I can take nothing, I can make something out of nothing and I'm going to use this nothing to show the world my glory. And you know what? It's one thing to just receive prophetic words. They say, great, we are Antioch, we are blessing, we have become role model. But it's the other thing for us to spiritually as the church to step into our prophetic calling to make an impact wherever we are. Not just in Singapore, but the nations abroad. Whatever that you are involved in. You know what, guys? You can be bold enough to ask God for your inheritance. 